0: listening to influential barbecue the podcast where we talk to influencers in the barbecue industry to uncover how they've cultivated huge followings unique income sources and sponsorship possibilities from a love of cooking outdoors if you want to turn your passion for food and fire into a world of opportunities you're in the right place and now your host jordan moore
1: to quote the 2001 hit single off of the album Break the Cycle by renowned rock band Stained, it's been a while. Welcome back to Influential Barbecue. It's been a bit of a break, but we're here now and we are back. Believe it or not, when the weather gets nicer, it's a little harder to nail down barbecue personalities for an online interview. So it might not be as regular as it used to be for the first 15 episodes, but I'm going to do my best to give you weekly episodes, if not bi-weekly, and we're just going to roll with it. It's going to come out when it comes out. I'll hopefully get back on a schedule eventually, but for now, we're just going to roll with the punches and see what happens. But it's been too long, you've been waiting for some advice, so why don't we sit down with our favorite Canadian, Dark Side of the Grill, on episode 16 of Influential Barbecue.
2: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Influential Barbecue. This week, I've got one of the Canadian greats here with me, fire in the hole up north, barbecue's biggest Star Wars fan and host of After the Cook, I've got Mel from Dark Side of the Grill. Mel, thanks so much for joining me
0: today. Thank you very much for having me, man. This has been a long time coming. It has been. I
2: remember I messaged you early on in the process of this podcast, but you were, just, you were on planes and in different countries for months on end, and I just couldn't nail you down at all.
0: I, I always feel bad, man. I, every once in a while, I'll get someone that falls through the cracks, and they're like, look, I hit you up about this and that. I, I literally just... I'm not a technically savvy kind of guy and I just, you know, you know how it is. Things, things go through the.
2: <laughs> That's why they say following up is the most important thing to do because people aren't ignoring you. They're just busy as hell.
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I get, I've been accused of being a dick more than once and then someone <laughs> will be like, no, oh, no dude. He just, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> now,
2: accused more than once won't be the last time, but he's not a dick.
0: He's a nice guy. Exactly. There we go. That's a. <laughs>
2: so, before we get into anything here, do you mind giving us a bit of a brief history about yourself and what you're all about and kind of how you got into the
0: barbecue world? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can give you the the origin story, if you will. Um, I've been a welder in Edmonton, Alberta, born and raised. I've been welding my entire life. I grew up in my dad's garage, builds hot rods, whatever, and I learned to weld well well before I should have, but that's fine, you know. In Alberta, <laughs> you got no excuse, so I hit the oil field when I was 18 bought a house right away. I was the only guy out of a huge group of guys that had a house. Everyone else went for the trucks and disappeared up north, whatever, right? So evolution came, everyone would roll into town on their hitch, two weeks in, one week out, whatever, bag of meat, and a case of beer. And that was how we did it all the time, right? Watching the World Juniors, four o'clock in the morning. I got the projector going in the garage. There's like four Weber kettles and a you know a tin can Cabela smoker. Everything's going and you got 40, 50 people at your house. Like you're this was just evolution to to cooking big meat in Alberta, right? It's something we mm-hmm. always did anyway. So my grandmother, my baba, I'm half Ukrainian, so I grew up in the kitchen anyway. That was a huge part of how I started cooking, right? Dad never barbecued. He never cooked anything. So really, when I was a kid, I started cooking just because I didn't like his food. <laughs> he overcooked. <laughs> like, even the simplest roast, he would purposely burn it because he didn't like bacteria. He was one of those yeah. guys, right? So it, burgers were hard, everything. So literally, as soon as I could, and I'm talking like 13, 12 even, I, I grabbed that that bowl by the reins, and that was it. So fast forward to, uh, I don't know, three years ago. Maybe two and a half, three years ago, I'm cooking lunch for the, the boys at the shop. I'd always do the safety meetings and stuff like that. Good excuse to barbecue. Mm-hmm. There was a helper, uh laborer that we had hired, and I caught him a couple times, and he'd be taking pictures of the lunch that we had and, you know, different angles and stuff like that. And I, I Finally, I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you... <laughs> And he told me, he's like, I, I'm on Instagram. And every time I put your food up, I get more followers, whatever. And I I started laughing. I was like, Instagram's for 16 year old girls, man. What are you like? Are you serious? <laughs> Two months later, I had 4,000 and that was Jeez. it. And it just flew from there, man. It was so that then like, just like this, right. All of a sudden I'm putting my heart out into that, having fun. The initial inertia of it was fantastic and then you plateau out like everyone does and then it it, it's a grind after that you have to get better you have to get smarter you have to tighten your stuff up you have to find your niche you got to stay in your lane that kind of big green egg reached out to me sent me an email i thought it was a joke so i didn't respond to them i actually just whatever let it go six months later captain ron is now on the pro team for big green egg and he messages me he's like dude someone just said that they had asked you and you didn't answer. (laughs) So here I'm digging through my emails and I'm trying to like, I'm asking the wife, give me like the best wording you can to like apologize and also beg, but not come across to. Yeah. Yeah. A month later, I'm in Atlanta at October 2019 cooking with like Steve Reichlin. And, and that was it. Like from that day forward, it was, it was sky's the limit. Right. And then you fast forward three more months, COVID, or it's five more months, whatever, COVID hits, all of a sudden I'm grounded. I can't fly. I can't do anything. All these big plans I had in my head, flush them all down the toilet. So I'm sitting here just defeated, trying to hustle the content, trying to build something online, but it's it's like beating a dead horse, right? Mm-hmm. I got so mad and so down with myself that like I was literally flushing my dreams. I started building Elvira. I just I couldn't sit in neutral anymore. So I literally built uh, a 750-gallon stick burner on a trailer from scratch, just out of anger, pretty much. And then all of a sudden, the world opened up again here, catering gigs, weddings, you know, stuff like that. And then COVID dropped. And now, like, I, 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 if you can see, the last maybe six months, Alabama, Florida, Vegas, like, the doors have just opened and I'm gone, like, right back at it. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's been a time man but this is this is where I'm at now.
2: That's incredible. That's such a fast and furious story. You go from you know w- welding, cooking some lunch to just balls to the wall. Yeah. Cooking events, doing all these things, making plans and then nothing again. Just like an actual roller coaster of shit. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, this is like I, I actually I live my life like this. Like I explained to you, my dad, builds hot rods and stuff. It's kind of life mm-hmm. in the fast lane. Alberta's just like that anyway. You go from being up to being like bottom dollar real quick all the time. So you get used to that velocity of life, right? I've been like that. I've been go big or go home my entire life with every single thing I do. The first the first time I bought a car and and uh, started working on it, like a month later, I had a cowl hood and twenty two inch rims. I put airbags on it. Like it was just I yeah. So (laughs) this, this was just, you know, all par for the course. So, yeah.
2: So you went from, you know, you're conducting safety meetings and cooking some lunches for people. And then all of a sudden you're up to 4,000 followers. What was the transition like for like a blue collar work with your hands kind of guy to all of a sudden be
0: trying to figure out algorithms on a social media platform for 16 year old girls? It was impossible. Like (laughs) I, I don't know how else to explain it. Anyone that had it figured out wouldn't tell you anyway. There was no way to approach anybody about anything to do with any of that. So you kind of just stumbled and, and, you know, took your licks as as you could. When I first started, I thought tagging everybody I knew was going to boost my posts up. And then I had a few people reach out to me, bigger people that were like, look, man, this is just annoying and it kind of looks pathetic. And And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, you know, now you've hit me personally over something that I thought was, and then it's, it's a lot of it's common sense where people don't actually see etiquette. You know what I mean? If you were sharing flyers around your neighbors every time you have a bake sale, well, they're going to get really sick of your flyers. Why don't you just tell people, right? And then yeah. that same etiquette is online and you just don't see it. So it's, it's it's a lot to kind of wrap your head around and you kind of have to plug yourself into the internet to see it. So if you're just doing this gently, you don't even notice you're literally walking on someone else's lawn. You're just, it's, it's a weird dynamic to to actually have to spend that much time on the internet to see these kind of silent things, but, but they're there and it definitely helps when you know them. Right. So. For sure. And like back to the
2: bake sale analogy, at least with the bake sale, you're offering things to people. Whereas this is just, you're, you're cooking for yourself and just rubbing it in people's noses
0: being like, Hey, here's what, here's what I made. Screw you. (laughs) That's, that's exactly it. And man, like with the volume that I cook, people literally get mad at me because they can't cook that volume or they refuse to cook that volume. And my only answer to that is that's what I do to stand out, figure out what you're doing. Some people buy followers. I buy meat and then hope my meat buys followers, whatever you need to do.
2: I have noticed that your cooks are always just massive amounts of food. And I think to myself, like, I, holy, I'd never be able to eat all that if I made it. But are you, are you
0: donating any of that or you freeze it for later? Or how do you kind of deal with how much you cook? Usually like we have a huge family, so the family eats up most of it. If not, I take it to the shop, the boys at the shop for lunch all the time. We have a, a soup kitchen downtown, but because it's not a registered kitchen, they can't al- they can't allow it. Any- and so the back story to that is, any time a place is government funded, they can't touch like non commercial food.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's it's actually more of a headache for them to even take it from another restaurant. They prefer to just cook it in house and be done with it. Yeah. So that that really sucks. So there's there's different ways around it. And then the last case scenario, I vacuum seal it. I've got five deep freezes right now, uh, two commercial <laughs> fridges. It's yeah, it's nuts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's similar to, we've got some community fridges here in Hamilton where people can donate, you know, f- food and canned goods to those less fortunate. But every now and then you get someone who puts like a homemade meal in there and it looks amazing, but just legally we can't leave it in there. We have to take it out because, you know, somebody might've put a razor blade or something in there kind of thing. So it's just, yep. it it's unfortunate, but it's, it's safer for those who might not know better.
0: Yeah, no, ex- exactly.
2: So you've built Elvira and you're doing some catering things so you've gone from welding and safety meetings to welding, safety meetings, Instagram influencer and catering essentially. How are you balancing all of those things? And are you, are you trying to transition out of welding to cooking more or are you just, are you super happy to balance everything and just live in a tornado?
0: Well, I, I do live in a tornado like this. <laughs> so barbecue is not my only hobby either. I have like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got fish, I've got cars, I've got all kinds. Like, it, it's actually pretty insane. When I leave for a week, the amount of prep I have to do takes almost a week for me to leave for a week. So it's, yeah. I, I I don't know. It, it's It's morphing into its own thing. Definitely doing a lot less welding and a lot more barbecue now. That was kind of between the stress of all of that, as well as people say not letting me have half a year off. you know you kind of push these issues until it's no longer you know feasible right so yeah 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 and it's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic there too right there's always room for more work but this is also a lot more fun and i've honestly in the last year i've spent more time with my family than i have since i've had a family so it's hard to turn the value of that down that's actually between the health of what i was doing i I weld uh, stainless steel carbide Cobalt, chromium. I'm up there in the welding world, but also in the dying quickly world. So I don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it's definitely like there's sunshine on the other side by not doing so much of that. So, mm-hmm. well, that's good to see that it's
2: kind of. And I think COVID did this to a lot of people. You know, you spent a little more time with your family and then you started to look at, you know, all the hazards and time you spent doing things you didn't truly get joy out of anymore and you know you weld for so long you build up a career like that it's it's hard to kind of turn your back on something like that and then you find barbecue and you're like I can cook all this amazing food and hang out with my family like I'd be crazy not to try and focus on this a little bit more you know yep so you've got a very specific type of you know personality that you put onto you know all your social media stuff and I don't think you're playing that up at all. I think you're just a hundred percent Mel in everything that you do. And like, have you always been that kind of guy that's very talkative, very social, very driven, or is, has social media kind of taught you how to do that? And it was something you grew into.
0: Again, this is, this is another weird, um, (laughs) backstory. So I, I've actually been the shy quiet type for, I'm going to say three quarters of my life. I just turned 41 it wasn't until I was in my mid, maybe late twenties, that I really came out of my shell, and I actually found that like jumping in and 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 getting a bit louder in a room tends to get you you know farther to where you want to go, right? And it, it's it's really paid off for me, and and in social media, and this is something you can ask a lot of people. When I came onto Instagram, no one was talking into the camera. And I'm being honest about this. People have literally hit me up and been like, "It's because of you that I've had to force myself to be more right." And yeah. that's that's a blessing and a curse because a lot of people are still not loving it, but they're really forcing it. And that's yeah. It, for me, it just rolls out. I once I put my head in the zone of what I'm doing, and this is part of my own shtick, right? Uh, in Alabama, we're in we're in the Gulf of Mexico, Live Fire Republic, Chef David Olson. We're about to do this alligator, and he's like, "Hey, are you gonna be cool in a couple minutes to go on the camera?" I looked at the camera. I'm like, "Are you ready?" I can do this right now. There's no setup. There's no nothing. I'm just on, and that's that's it's the easiest thing for me to do. Middle of an egg demo, and I can walk around the corner, and there's someone looking at that, and just like it, just switch bang on, and a lot of people can't can't find the the switch, and that's I'm blessed to have it. So, and it's definitely propelled me in a lot of neat ways. So. For sure. And the
2: Switch is something I, I
0: can't, like I've tried the looking at camera things
2: and I watch it back. I'm like, delete, gone. I don't like that at all. And It's something you just have to get used to. And um, a people like you can just turn it on and go. And it's just like, I'm envious of it because it's so confident and cool that you can just do it and then like i try it or i watch other people try it and it's like oh i don't know about that that doesn't that doesn't look nice that doesn't feel nice i don't want to buy this product now <laughs> but it's it's so cool that you can just you've kind of you stepped it what caused you to step out of your shell do you know was there a reason you kind of figured
0: that out you know it was it was mostly hanging out at the bars and stuff like that you are just you're always in the weeds right you're never on the stage mm-hmm. and and i kind of just got sick of in a group of 20 people, and you're trying to say something, but you'll never be heard because you got this loudmouth who's had 10 too many beers, and you can't get your point across. And it just sort of happened. And then all of a sudden, without looking like the guy who had 10 too many beers, I was able to be louder than him and have everybody listen, and then it was instantly, like, that's just how we're going to have to do it from now on. It wasn't wasn't an arrogance thing. It was more of a pride thing. And once you dug that out then people understood not only am I saying something of value, but I'm, I'm actually putting my words behind it and people tend to listen a lot quicker and a lot more. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to look at it because so many, especially in group settings, like I've, you know, you try to have conversations and there's always one person that's just louder. And even if they're not saying anything of value, they're louder than everybody else and you can't have another conversation around them. So finding a way to channel yourself into being loud enough without being annoying like, asserting yourself as the person presenting a topic is a great thing to do. And you've done that with your Instagram stuff. You're like, if I see Mel pop up, it's like, oh, what's he doing today? Because he's like, hello, people. I'm like, hey, that's I'm people. That's me. I'm <laughs> going to watch this now and see what's going on. Because there's you've just got such an eclectic way to deliver all of your content that it's not the standard stuff that everyone's been doing, yep. which is super cool.
0: Well, and so, something you had said there, uh, in the middle of what you were saying, you had said about... Uh, convincing people to buy things, or or making someone feel you know okay with buying something, that's the other half of this business that people don't like to talk about. Okay. I am very careful the brands that I take in. I'm very careful to not jump on every free thing that comes in the mail or whatever, because I built this trust with a literal staring at you and talking with you and answering your questions via messaging. I have to be honest in what I do because if I'm not, hypothetically, a gas barbecue company may have reached out and offered me like two grand a month. This would have changed my life completely. Do you know how many people would have called me on your going back to gas in the first 10 minutes? Comfortable or not, sometimes you have to just say like, geez, as as amazing as that would have been, that's obviously not for me. And it's not for the people that I have literally been selling to this entire time. So that's... Every time I touch something, it's something that I would invest my own money in. Working as hard as I have to buy stuff, I have to. I have to be as forthcoming as I can because I am literally looking into the camera at you. So I need you to trust me, and that's the that's the tricky part about this. Is a lot of guys I know, and a lot of them I'm close with. They look like a NASCAR now. There's like 38 <laughs> different stickers on each side. You know what I mean? Someone yeah. put Fig Newton on their di- on their their windshield. Like they're done. This is. You can't even see anymore, and it's nuts. It's, it's crazy. I, I, I hate it, but what
2: do you do? Yeah, and fire in the hole wouldn't have the same effect if you're just clicking an electric start, click, click, what? click.
0: Wouldn't work. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing, man. That, that fire in the hole, that was a whole other bag of monkeys, man. I actually trademarked that. Really? It cost me a disgusting amount of money in American funds, with an american lawyer because they're the only ones that are international canadian lawyers are only good for like the territory you're in so i had to go and put a a buttload of money into that to trademark it and then you've got these strange charcoal companies coming out of the woodwork that see one time a fire in the hole they're tagged in and all of a sudden that's going to go across the bag that's going to be their selling feature and then you have to Literally stop what you're doing in the middle of creating content or whatever, and be like, "Okay, jerk off, you can't. You're, we're not going to do this. You can't do this." And then right away they're like, "Oh, what's going on?" It was never about selling things. The fire in the hole was like, I've had people in Japan on a, on a balcony give me a fire in the hole. It's it's its own like little family thing where mm-hmm. you know if you're gonna bring flame to charcoal it's what better way to do it and and everybody sends it off and it's been amazing it's been something i've been super proud of yeah and man everybody every almost every single company out there has tried to get in on it and i've had to like beat them away with a stick just because there's a there's a dollar value in it right there's yeah it's in instant advertising for anybody so yeah yeah. i
1: can't imagine what the intellectual property side of like having your own trademark and branding and that kind of thing would be is especially in something on so, social media, it spreads so fast. You lose the source almost immediately. And it's, then someone's like, oh, fire in the hole. That's pretty cool. So you have to like go after these people and get them to take it down.
0: I'm very politely, but yeah.
1: That's yeah, a full-time
0: it, job in itself. It, it, Buddy, I'm a very busy person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm a, yeah, I'm a very busy person. It's not, it's not a ton of fun and that's not the stuff that I like doing at all. Like Mm -hmm. some people might get off on that not me, man. So it's been, it's been a battle, but it's been worth it. So your presence
2: on Instagram seems to have taken you so many different places, especially as of late. And it's kind of impressive based on, you know, you've been doing this for three years and two of it's been during a pandemic. You know, you've built this trust up with your followers. You've built this trust up with other brands and other accounts on Instagram. What's it like getting invited to all these different cookouts or these different events like social fest and all those things? What, what? How does that make you feel when people are just like, Melk, come hang out with us. Be the Canadian in our group. Come on
0: down. Honest, Honestly, it's not only is it humbling, but me being from Edmonton, Alberta... We've never traveled. As a family, we've never traveled. If you were going camping, you'd go up to the mountains. There's no reason to go anywhere. The wife drug me to Mexico once when we were in our 20s. And other than the drink fest, I was like, we could have bought a half a cow and like enough beer to build a barricade and been like fishing. You know, (laughs) this this is great by the pool, but we have way better camping trips back home. So for me to end up like, like walking down onto the beach in Alabama for the very first time. Chef David Rose, you know, Seattle Butcher's Wife, Bama Grill Master, like all these huge, huge names. And you sit down as an equal at that table. Not only is it humbling, but it's I honestly I, I feel like a like a kid in a candy store. And this is something that I have feedback comes back to me all the time. A lot of people just love watching me. Like Buddha, for example, me and me in the barbecue Buddha. He was more excited about seeing my face on the strip in Las Vegas than him going to Las Vegas. <laughs> just because I've never to stand at the front of the Bellagio where they have the huge uh, uh, fountains. And all mm-hmm. I could think was like ocean's 11. I still I have goosebumps <laughs> right now. Like I, I, and I just, I feel everything. I wear my heart on my sleeve. That's, that's maybe a fault of mine. I don't know, but I put a hundred percent passion into everything I do and going to these places with these people The whole time I'm like a kid, just running around, playing with everything. When we were in Alabama, I was screwing around in the bush. I found a whole bunch of live oak that was going to be used for firewood. And right away we're dragging it all out to smoke stuff with, and they're like, "Well, this is a huge jackpot at a resort, right?" Like, yeah, <laughs> no one even knew it was there, and all of a sudden we had like endless supply of wood to go with the charcoal. And like Al Fregoni's like, "This is this is how we got to do this now. Everything's changed. It's awesome, just a blast all the time." So yeah, I, I I I can't even put it into words really, but just standing there, I'm just in awe every single time. I don't think it'll ever get old. It's yeah. it's too cool. So what's been the coolest trip you've done so far? My very first trip out to Atlanta for Eggtoberfest, I think there was like 10,000 people there. It was massive. I, I don't know the numbers, but it was like, it was insane. The amount of people that were all there. Every single one of them was a fan of Big Green Egg. Like it was, I've never seen anything like it. It was really cool. So that one is really high up there, but... I th- I think if I have to go back to it, my favorite trip is um, staying with Al Fregoni in Bernie, Texas, doing that live fire event with all the, mm. the grills lined up and everything. And it's not just because Mary's Tacos was down the street with the best tacos <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life, but just the the crew was was unbelievable. Big Javi, his wife, his kid was there. Al, like there there were so many cool people there, and it was just it was. Even though you were doing huge days, 18-hour days, it wasn't work. Everything was awesome. Every time you turned around, there was something else that was new. One of the buddies brought boudin sausage from one of his local butchers. It was the best boudin I've ever had in my life. And wow. that, when you eat a ton of sausage all the time, to to have a little jackpot like that where you just have to stop and be like, First of all, how many are in the cooler for us to keep going on? And then like, let's just take this in. It was so good. I mixed it with crab meat and made, made deep fried empanadas over the fire. Like it was, you can't knock, yeah. right? Like it's, yeah. but just meeting that that strange mix of people all in the same time in the middle of nowhere in Texas, in like Driftwood, Texas, it was just wild. It was, it was really cool. So that, that had to be my
2: favorite. That's amazing. It sounds like I watched it as it happened and it's, it looked like such a cool trip. And, you know, I'm seeing it from so many different accounts too. So you get everybody's different perspective
0: of the whole thing. Like, yeah, you got the guys from California that are ready to like pull a god out. Right. And then you got the cowboys <laughs> from up the, up the street that are wearing 10 gallon hats. Like it was crazy. It was, yeah. I love it. Like Cali rep. I love them people, man. They're. They're they're froggy, but they're neat, man. They're it was it was really cool, man. They're it was neat. yeah, it was it was a good mix because then there's hobby, right? Hobby sooner you know buck up a, a donkey on the side of the road than like he it, it's all everyone is hundred percent legit in that scenario. If you have something to bring, you're bringing it because everyone's bringing everything. So it's wild. It's wild to see. So. Yeah. And and from a spectator's point of view,
2: it's so cool to see all these people that I've only seen on Instagram get together in person, because yeah. then you know, like, shit, these people are actually doing the things they're saying they're doing, like, social feasts, I've followed every single person, and then you guys all just showed up at a house together, and I was like, what <laughs> the hell is going on here?
1: <laughs> this <laughs> is amazing. And then there's yeah. behind the scenes from everybody, about everybody, and, like, I can't imagine how exciting those events are, especially after two years of not being able to do anything or see oh. people. All of a sudden, everyone that you've created a relationship with online is in the same kitchen and you're just making a grotesque amount of food. Yep. That's all going to be so good. Like I oh. can't imagine that feeling.
0: Social feasts, uh, David, chef, David had, uh, uh, <laughs> a box show up and I'm trying to think of what chef sent it to him, but it was a huge chef has a ton of cookbooks out, but local to Alabama, there was purple asparagus. There was Brussels sprouts, like albino Brussels sprouts. They were an ivory color. And he, he opened the box and he's like, has anybody taken anything out of here? And we're like, no, but we peaked. 100% we peaked. We opened it up and we peeked at it. And he's like, you don't understand, like this has no dollar value. The guy handpicks this stuff and then cooks it at his restaurant, and it's like five hundred bucks to walk through the door. And I'm like, I, I don't doubt that. I've never seen an albino Brussels sprout before. <laughs> like this is, and it was just the wildest thing because there is no place in the planet that you could be at that time to see that caliber of cooking and mm-hmm. that quality of food show up. And here's Mel from Edmonton, who's had thirty-two white claws this morning. <laughs> That's about to eat albino Brussels sprouts wrapped in, like, Snake River Farms bacon. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just wild. It was insane. Every, every step about it was just like my Vegas trip. We went and ate at Emerald's. Don't you think Emerald was there? The first time in four years he went to Vegas to a restaurant. I don't think he likes Vegas. And he was there. Signed everybody's menu. Like, it was like, you can't write this shit. It just... And here I am just bumbling along, you know, just... Canadian from fish out of water story, right? And (laughs) deadly, absolutely deadly. So it's, yeah.
2: (laughs) Man, that's incredible. It's taken you so many cool
0: places from just being
2: like feet on the ground, welding in in Edmonton to cooking some burgers or some brisket for your friends. And then all of a sudden you're in Vegas, you're in Alabama with like these people with millions of followers and millions of things. And it's just so wild how, how far this kind of things can take you because i grew up in a small town and i'm sure you were probably from this a similar ilk where you're like spend too much time on instagram and your phone these stupid kids spend so much time on the internet doing nothing and i'm out here working with my hands making a difference and now all of a sudden you're cooking picanhas
0: and you're like i got to set up a tripod and a light before dinner sorry (laughs) yeah well this is and not that I know, I know there's, there's going to be a few of the, the older gentlemen listening to this, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but I honestly feel a bit like lied to <laughs> by the older generation because I literally did work with my hands and build everything for a very long time. And I've just now realized that there are kids that are blowing right past me in every aspect of life playing video games on YouTube. Yep. And that was exactly what I was like yelled at not to do ever. And now those kids have mansions. So Yeah.
2: (laughs) I was talking to uh, Uncle Hemi about that on the last episode. He's like, there's a kid that's made like $7 million opening toys in the mail. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I went to school like an idiot?
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, this is, man, that's the joke. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Joke's on me, I think. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's when we first started out we had that oregon trail on the old mac right and that was why didn't we keep going with that why'd y'all stop that that was
2: (laughs) i never did find carmen san diego either (laughs) exactly don't know where she is
0: yeah she was she was in the ninth page of your dad's hustler that's where she was (laughs) still How do you like them apples? There you go. That's- <laughs>
2: and that hustler was under my mattress.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, so I want to respect your time. I know you're a busy guy, so I won't keep you too much longer. But as someone who went from just working every day, sweating all the time, welding things to putting your full personality out there in your posts and your content, what kind of like tips or advice to anyone looking to start this kind of journey? Like what would you tell them right off the hop that you learned the hard way? Maybe
0: like everything else in life you put in, you get out and a million times I'll have people that honestly are mad at me about my following, about how many followers I have. They are literally angry because when they come home from work They'll put a good solid half hour into Instagram. They'll cook their ribs, whatever. They'll put their post up and then they'll go to bed. And they'll be mad that they didn't get the likes and comments that I did. What everyone seems to forget about, and it's the first thing that they don't want to pay attention to, is that I put in 8 to 10 hours a day on Instagram when I had 500 followers. And that's where we are different. And that is why. We are different. You have to put in the work to get it out. Some people they'll fluke, they'll hit a reel, they'll get twenty million, whatever. I am not a flash in the pan. I've built my following slow and steady since day one at an aggressive rate, but it has been a rate. There, I I think my biggest reel hit a hundred thousand. So that's how that's how little flash in the pan it is. But it's a steady steady climb for me, and I'm happy with that. I put in the hard labor the hard cooks, every day. I've sacrificed a ton of time with my family. I've sacrificed a ton of sleep. I've sacrificed a ton of money in equipment, and grills, and food. I still don't have a meat sponsor. This is still out of pocket for me. And if you're not willing to go that, don't get mad. Stay in your own lane. Expect to get what you're putting into it out. And that's that's my best advice. If If you're going to go for the top, like get ready, because it's a ton of work, ton of work. And that's, I'm nowhere near the top and I'm tired, but it's worth it. And I see it and I'm not going to stop. I'm headed that way. So yeah, that's my, that's my biggest chunk of advice right there is just number one is stay in your own lane. Don't get caught up on what your neighbor's doing with his page. And, and, you know, you have to learn to adapt. I'm not saying don't learn to adapt. This real thing is no joke. People got to figure it out. They got to figure it out and get on it because that's what they're pushing now. Sucks for all those amazing photographers who I look up to mm-hmm. because those deadly pictures that are are literally tanking now. But this is the way of the beast, right? If you're not willing to adapt and you're not willing to put in the work, well, you're not going to get it out. And that's that's it. Everyone says trust the process. Well, the process is long and hard. So... Yeah. Just like
2: anything worth having, it's going to take a lot of work to get it and you can't half-ass it or else you're going
0: to get half-ass results, you know? and Well, people see right through you. And that's that's like we said, people people see what I'm having an off day and that results in 150 likes. And that's literally putting in what you're getting out. That's so.
2: <laughs> yeah. Especially on this kind of world now where it's immediate feedback for everything that you do. People can tell if you haven't put the time in or if you haven't put the effort in or if you just thought, shit, I got to post something, here we go. And I'm guilty of that. I go in the archives, like I haven't cooked in a week, shit. Here's thinking about this from the other day and it doesn't hit very well. It keeps my yeah. page active, but it doesn't hit. And I know that, I don't expect it to, but like, you, yeah. you got to admire the effort that guys like you are putting in, guys and girls like you are putting in to get the kind of results that you're getting because I try and plan out one full cook to do, get like a lot of content and halfway through it, I'm like, F- this is hard. This is a lot of work. Like, yeah. I can't believe how much time and energy this is taking for me to make one really nice video. And you guys knock them out on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. No. And, and that, then you add the family into that that are literally waiting to eat. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so with COVID, the wife was stuck home for a bit and she couldn't do it. She's sitting there trying to do a, 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 a Zoom meeting with her boss, right? Mm-hmm. 9 a.m. I'm like, hey, you want some Cajun, uh, Cajun pepper shrimp? Uh, No, like it's 10 o'clock in the morning. No, thanks. Right. (laughs) 1115. Hey, you want a smash burger? She's like, what? What are are you talking about? (laughs) One o'clock. Hey, I just made this gumbo. You want some gumbo? She's like, what the, what are you doing? Like, this is, well, this is what I do. I cook like nine cooks a day. If I can try and rob half the content from it. Half of them don't even make it up. And Da, 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 like this is, and yeah. she's like, I'm not eating any of that. Why are you doing that? <laughs> I want a smoothie, damn it. Well, it, it's it's insane, but this is what it takes, right? This mm-hmm. is, yeah. So it is what it is. It's. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's
2: such a great illusion too, because I think a lot of people try and fit their content creation with their regular meals. No. And it's so difficult to do that because A, you're going to get hungry and grumpy and you're not going to be able to catch the content you need. Your partner and kids are going to get hungry and grumpy and yell at you for catching the content you need. You have to – one of the things that I've started learning is you have to plan separate cooks for content and not have them be what you're feeding your family to keep them from getting hangry at you. It's got to be separate. And that's you're going to end up with a lot of extra food. So find some beneficiaries for what you're cooking because
0: that's the only way you're going to be able to make quality content that's going to last. Yeah. Oh, 100% that's my magic now is I'll make skirt steak tacos at noon get the content for those tacos and then I'll take the skirt steak and turn it into a rice dish for the family later Perfect. so you literally you start staging you know bigger proteins will turn into smaller dishes yeah. and that's it's a whole other level of things but this is what it takes right you have to juggle both planets which are totally different planets but at the same time right
2: Thanks so much for joining me today, my friend. Uh, if anybody wants to find what you're up to soon or anything about you, where can they go?
0: Um, my Instagram is my number one, right? Check out my website, darksideofthegrill.com doing, doing merch and fun stuff there. Usually if I can figure it out, I'll put my next event, usually they're local up there (laughs) and then, and then that's, that's a lot of fun too. But, uh, yeah, my Instagram is usually right where it's at. I'm on there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So
2: (laughs) Yeah. If it's never taken you long to respond to anything I've said. So don't be afraid to ask them questions either. The One thing about the barbecue community is we're all here to help each other make better food. That's just it. No one deserves bad barbecue.
0: That's it. And another quick one just before we're, I believe uh, wholeheartedly in the one grill, right? We pushed this on After the Cook for years. It's mm-hmm. It's a really big deal for me. A little tidbit into that. I was in Las Vegas cooking for the Ace Hardware Show. I was cooking for Big Green Egg. We had Chef Jason Morris. I think he was there with uh, Weber. We had Myron Mixon there. I met Benny. Benny Kendrick was there with Mayor Messer. I went to Traeger, see who was over there. Uh, Jeremy Andreas, the, like the owner of, uh, or, or the head CEO of Traeger, right? Yep. All one grill. Everybody, total family, right? And that's that's exactly how you have to do it. It's amazing to me. I walk up to the Traeger booth, and there's the big dog, the absolute big dog, He's like, hey, Mel, nice to finally meet you. He knew who I was. And that was like a massive thing for me because he's on a total other side of the the planet as far as grills go, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't care whether you're cooking on a Traeger or you're cooking on a garbage can. You could be cooking on a, a shopping cart that's flipped over. What I care about is how you're cooking what you're cooking and who you're feeding, right? If you're cooking a pork chop for your five-year-old daughter, I want to know that she's going to love it. And if you have any questions about that, I'm here to support you in doing that. That's literally all I care about. I totally believe that there's enough room for everybody in this barbecue community. And I am a strong believer that if you are on my team, if you're someone who converses with me, you're someone that adds, adds to the positivity in my life. I should be doing the same. We're all gonna move up at the same at the same way, same time, all the time. And that's why I give a hundred percent to everybody that asks me, because I hope one day someone will return the favor. And that's that's just that's just how I, I do this this whole thing. And it's been uh, it's been nothing but awesome, right? I've 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 heard of a lot of people with cyberbullying, whatever. I've never seen any of that. And I hope I never do because of how I conduct myself.
2: Yep. The one thing I've noticed about this community is everyone that I've spent time talking to has been more than happy to reciprocate any good vibes, any advice, help, anything. And it's something that I hope, I hope, hope, hope it just continues to do that because there's so much shit in the world right now that the barbecue community doesn't need to be part of that, you know? And, you know, as soon as I see any of it, I shut it down, block, delete, don't need it, goodbye, don't care. You know, there's no excuse for that kind of stuff just be supportive be friendly we're all here to cook food for the people we love that's the end game and that's it right on brother awesome mel thank you so much for joining me this has been awesome and i am glad to i finally got to get you on this show beautiful brother thank you very much this was great no problem you take care have a great day you too and that's it for my chat with mel of dark side of the grill and for this episode of influential barbecue Thank you so much for tuning in this week and thanks for hanging in there while I took a bit of a break to kind of realign myself and figure out how I can keep this show going forward. You can find everything we talked about today on the show notes page at influentialbarbecue.com and I'm always looking for feedback or comments on this show from you. So please reach out at podcast at influentialbarbecue.com or send a DM to influentialbarbecue on Instagram and I'd be happy to chat with you. If you or your business or anyone you know is looking to start a podcast, please let me know. I recently started the podcast in order to help businesses launch better podcasts. So if you've been thinking of starting one and you just haven't found a way to pull the trigger yet, reach out to me and let's figure out a way to get you up and running. I'm Jordan Moore. You can follow My Barbecue Adventures on Instagram at The Backyard Brisket. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Keep on grilling.